Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined, as always, by Brian Gottlieb. And we have a massive, massive show to the point where I don't think we can mess around, dude. Fine. Let's do it. Talk about magic cards. Go. We have we have so many, and the set is, like, actually not bad. So, uh, uh, I think it's really go. good. I think, I think it's better than not bad. It's really good. I'm oh, really man. excited. I had a moment today and like it was so foreign to me because I hadn't felt it in so long. And I'm like, what is this that I'm feeling? It was excitement about standard. I just like wanted to build a bunch of standard decks and like wanted to play a standard tournament. And I don't think I felt like that since Eldraine released. So are we going to talk about this for five minutes? Nope. Five, five minutes of very valuable time. Nope. Let's go cards. All right. Uh, we are, I don't know, just kind of going in sort of random order, not sorted by color kind of sorted by rarity. So we're going to do the high end stuff first and make our way down. I like it. Starting with the adversary cycle, cycle of mythic rare creatures. Uh, four of them are two mana. The green one is three mana. I will start with the white one, intrepid adversary. One dub, three one. Creature human scout, lifelink. When this enters the battlefield, you may pay one dub. Uh, so two mana total. Any number of times. When you pay this cost one or more times, put that many Valor counters on this. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one for each Valor counter on this. So two mana, three, one with lifelink and then kind of has like a multi-kicker thing. Mm-hmm. Are we it. just doing one at a time? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got we to talk about the cards individually, okay. right? No? Yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> I was just like, read the card. You're like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the text of the card. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Well, I. I think it's interesting as a cycle because like as a cycle of mythic rares, I do find these kind of disappointing. But that being said, I think all of them, well, most of them, you can make up a pretty reasonable home for them and they'll do something powerful in that spot. And I'm, I'm almost certain that any deck that has a sort of, it's not quite an aggressive leaning plan, but like aggressive tendencies wants to play creatures wants to attack and block any deck that's doing that type of stuff should at least look at these things because they do scale so well and the base bodies are almost always good too now when you get into things like tribal synergies i think these really kick into high gear and could be super strong cards um this one base stats are okay three one lifelink for two like i've been happy with that in the past it doesn't scale super hard after the first activation because the problem is it remains fragile throughout. I think that's my biggest beef with Intrepid Adversary. It's always yep. going to be vulnerable. Um, but still, if you draw this in the late game in your small white aggressive deck and you flood it out and have six mana, uh, this could be a really big swing. And I think decks will usually be interested in a copy of this card. Of more note, it's a human. Uh, so if you want to go into older formats... That's interesting. And also works with Aether Vial. Uh, it works with Aether Vial. I think that's really important for these cards because there's another tribal synergy that is often Aether Vial deck that looks to to use these adversaries. And uh, it makes sense to me that that is kind of a niche application. And this is maybe uh, a bad additional Thalia's Lieutenant in some scenarios. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, this one is awkward because it needs to stay in play. It's not like, oh, you're, you're getting right. uh, value necessarily uh, if this just dies. So. Not the greatest, but uh, white decks have things like Loyal Warhound, you have Faceless Haven, and Cave of the whatever dragon, Frost Dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you have, between like those and this, now you just have like a bunch of mana sources and incentives for mana sources, which I think is really cool. Yes, yes. And it lets you build decks in the, the new mode where your white aggressive deck has 26 lands. And that's, yep. that's perfect. That's what you want to do. 
Uh, blue one, spectral adversary, one U, two, one, creature spirit, flash flying. When this enters the battlefield, you may pay one and U any number of times. Again, two mana. Uh, when you pay this cost one or more times, put that many plus one, plus one counters on this, then up to that many other target artifacts, creatures, and or enchantments phase out. So I think the best thing to do with this is alpha striking. Uh, again, I, I talk tribal synergies. So spirits is a deck often use the ether vial. Uh, obviously, this is on curve for them. It plays with flash, which is extremely important for spirits. And I think you can get at some tricksy things with this at end of turn, really blow up your opponent's blocking plans, which is important. And then when you're doing ether vial stuff, you know, removing two blockers, I think will often be extremely powerful. So that is uh, a game winning effect in a lot of spots. And you're adding a very big body to the battlefield as well. So again, I really like this in the tribal framework. It doesn't quite work as like wrath protection because unfortunately this body enters and you can phase out your other stuff and maybe protect something, but you'd give up this. And you're I think not that's look. fine. Like, are, are you sure? Like that, that's a big mana investment at that point. And like how many of your creatures in the spirit deck are going to be worth investing that much mana and protecting them? So consider Supreme Verdict in modern, right? Mm -hmm. And we're talking about, you know, ether vile spirits, whatever. And I think that if, your opponent casts Supreme Verdict and you vile this in and like save two of your things, that is well worth it. It's, I mean, it's way better than like letting it resolve and then doing this, right? So yeah. I think that that's completely fine. And again, you're not you're not playing a bunch of these probably, um, but Supreme Verdict against Spirits is one of the best cards yeah. because there's very few ways to stop it. And this actually does a reasonable job of doing it that isn't like, you know, playing rootborn defenses or something like that that is just bad with the rest of your deck. Like this actually fits your deck. Yeah, that, that's the baseline, right? Is at least it's a spirit. And if you have the access to that aggressive views that I talked about, as well as maybe this backdoor defensive capability, then I'm fine with it. It's not the best at any of those things, but it does it all while having the meaningful body attached to it. So again, spot play tribal, and then uh, maybe you can find a home for this in like, blue red tempo decks, which i i do think are a real thing so i would at least give it a look there rattle chain showed up more than i thought it would outside it of spirit decks. it really did yeah and this yeah this is doing a lot of the same stuff uh tainted adversary is the black one one and a b for a two three zombie with death touch when this enters the battlefield you may pay two b any number of times when you pay this cost one or more times, put that many plus one plus one counters on this, then create twice that many two two black zombie creature tokens with decayed. This this strikes me as kind of like the Liliana's mastery aspect of mm. whatever zombies is going to look like. I mean, I've I've looked at zombie decks; they they have cards that are playable, but like the deck itself doesn't look great. But this is definitely something that they're missing. It's some glue, and I think like even if you're just looking at pure stats on this card two mana and two three death touches not bad sure i think that's very playable in a lot of spots and then when you get to the five mana version what you're actually getting out of it is six power seven because uh, you get a counter seven power right 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 very true so that's a great return on five mana it's split across three bodies so any kind of uh tribal pumps you're using get ample effects so all these numbers work out for me and again I think the baseline is there. I think two, three death touch for two is going to be acceptable in a lot of scenarios for zombies. That allows you to play this in a bunch of spots. A lot of decks I've been building, uh, you know, during previous season, I tend to lean towards like, oh, you know, there's graveyard strategies or like 
yeah, in this case, zombies or whatever. So I'm, I'm looking at a lot of those decks and this has been like a solid two of in a lot of my decks. And that seems reasonable to me in, in actual zombies where they don't have a top end. I think you probably just play four. Sure. You know? Uh, yep. So it just depends on your, your deck composition. By that. Red one, bloodthirsty adversary, one R, two, two haste. When this enters the battlefield, you may pay two R any number of times. When you pay this cost one or more times, put that many plus one plus one counters on this, then exile up to that many target instants and or sorcery cards with mana value three or less from your graveyard and copy them. You may cast any number of the copies without paying their mana cost. I think this might be the first time I actually read this. I knew it was a two mana two two haste, but like this ability is not bad. Uh, so I, I at first hated on this card because I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Return a shock? Big deal. Yeah. Two two haste, not going to be good enough. And like. That that was my assessment, and I was like, "Oh, this is probably not good enough for Mythic Rare." And then I remembered how much Goblin Dark Dwellers I played, which I probably shouldn't have been doing, but I did. And I think people still continue to do in a lot of spots. And this is like modal Goblin Dark Dwellers that scales better into the late game. And granted, that card was subsidized a lot by Colligan's Command, which we don't have in Standard. But again, the modal nature—you get vampires which we believe are going to be an important tribal body you get this 2-2 haste for two which is fine ish you get sometimes they're just rebuying a lethal shock uh plenty of other spells to look at again the red blue ish tempo-y shell uh where you're going to be very spell reliant because of some cards we're going to talk about later on i could see this potentially fitting so uh, another solid card I, I guess my biggest beef with the adversary cycle is that this feels way more like a rare cycle to me than a mythic cycle and yeah i i don't think they're like bad for mythics it just feels slightly below what i would expect and that's what sort of put me off them at first but as you look at each individual card they all have their uses and uh are all good enough maybe we got one more to go and and we'll see where that one falls it's mythic because it's complicated where it's like an etb pay whatever any number it's just like a lot of words it's something they haven't done before. I think that's why they're mythic. Yeah, I, I understand that. And I, I know that is how they do things. But I also know I could grab 10 rares from the sets that are actually more complicated in the play pattern. Like this reads more complicated. It's got the small text. It's got a lot of words. But once you play with it once, you just get it. There are far more right. complicated things going on here. Yeah, I agree with that. But like, OK, so five mana, three, three haste, probably kill a thing. That's not bad, especially when you're talking about it being a two mana two two haste. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and I don't know. I, I I don't know of any like ancestral vision type of nonsense that you can get up to in standard. I don't know what the best thing to flashback with this is. I haven't really looked. Um, and I don't think this is gonna like hit back to modern or anything. So I think that this is very solid. It's good to have. With you. Green one, primal adversary. This is a three mana one, two G, four, three trample. When this enters the battlefield, you may pay one G any number of times. When you pay this cost one or more times, put that many plus one plus one counters on this, then up to that many target lands you control become three three wolf creatures with haste that are still lands. This is potentially a lot of damage. It is. I, I think this is the worst of the cycle. Um, and that being said, I think it's still completely playable. I think like three mana four three trample in green aggressive decks is going to pay you most of the time you're going to be happy with that especially considering the fact that again we have another tribe that matters we've seen wolves werewolf lords all across this set it seems like that is going to be part of standard so i sort of buy this being fine there and then if you get into those late game scenarios where you're just flush with mana uh 
you have a fireball in your deck all of a sudden, and that's a good place to be in when you have uh, a fail state that is entirely acceptable and then upside that just wins you the game. Those are the type of cards I'm always almost going to be interested in. What's up with lands becoming wolves? I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you justify that that's, one. That's kind of rhetorical. I don't really care. Okay. So we can just move on. Good, because I, I don't have an answer for you on that one. Teferi, who slows the sunset. This is a mythic rare planeswalker that was previewed late and was just kind of like snuck in there, which leads me to believe that they don't think it's good. But uh, 2W, four starting loyalty, planeswalker Teferi, plus one, choose up to one target artifact, up to one target creature, and up to one target land. Untap the chosen permanence you control. You gain two life. Minus two, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom. Minus seven, you get an emblem with untap all permanents you control during each opponent's untap step, and you draw a card during each opponent's draw step. Okay, here's where I'm at at this card. I agree when you read this, doesn't seem great. And my, my first instinct was to be underwhelmed. Then I started thinking about, well, what's the best this plus one ever looks? And yeah, what if you, mana. yeah, what if it's plus three mana? Then I think it's really, really strong, actually. And then you can also make some scenarios where it's plus four mana that I'm starting to look at now. We're going to talk about more cards that maybe play well with Teferi as we go through this uh, spoiler season. But I've been thinking a lot about how to build these Teferi decks. And I think if you have some kind of, uh, you know, Bant deck that is just playing towards a ever-growing mid-range game where you have spells that scale. Again, we have more of those to talk about, and we've already talked about some uh, Bant spells that scale very well. And you have spots where you plus three mana on this plus one, and in the fail state, you just go ahead and look at the top three cards of your library and find something important. I, I think all of that's good and acceptable, and it requires a lot of build-around, it requires a lot of effort, but if you put in that effort, I can buy Teferi actually being archetype defining. And uh, I think that's where Planeswalkers should fall. They should require that kind of effort. They shouldn't just be Teferi Time Raveler. This card's unbeatable played in every deck. Yeah. Uh, what artifacts are there? The one that I'm looking at now is the Celestis. Uh, that's how to get sort of the most upside out of this because that is both a mana rock and has additional abilities, allows you to filter your hand a little bit. And uh, we don't have this on our list to talk about, so I guess I'll just read this card real quick. Uh, Celestis, three colorless legendary artifact. If it's neither day nor night, it becomes day as the Celestis enters the battlefield. Tap, add one mana of any color. Three, tap. If it's night, it becomes day. Otherwise, it becomes night. Activate only as a sorcery. Whenever day becomes night or night becomes day, you gain one life. You may draw a card if you do discard a card. That's uh, not terrible. Not terrible. I, I agree. That's why it's not on the list to talk about more, because I don't think outside of playing it alongside of Teferi, uh, there's really all that much to do with it. But uh, maybe we'll still see something else in the artifact spot. Uh, I would have to do a deep drive through what's currently in standard to see if there's anything else. But there's no two mana mana rocks now that I know of, and I don't know that we'll ever see one of those again. So I expect that it's going to be hard to do better than the Celestis, but I yeah. am... I, I am hoping something else turns up. Yeah, I mean, when you start to look at this like a one-mana Planeswalker, obviously, it's a lot better, right? Yeah. Um, 
but it's also going to be difficult to get into that situation. And in the case of the Celestis, it's like, well, you have to devote probably an entire turn worth to like playing this thing first. So like you are like Teferi is going to be a lot cheaper, but you're still like investing mana up front to yep. get that thing into play. So yeah, I could see it where it's like, you know, you're, you're playing some mana dorks, some, some other things that can defend the Planeswalker well. Obviously, it doesn't defend itself at all. And yeah, you just kind of use this as like your explosive vegetation or whatever that can also impulse and stuff. Like, I could see it. I could see like a deck being built around it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of playing the Nissa role where Nissa would lead you to uh, Hydroid Crisis. You need something like that where you're ramping towards something efficient, but something that can also be played in the early game. Uh, we we kind of have that though. We do have that. And we'll talk about that more. So. All right. Uh, next up, Sigardian Savior, three dub dub, three three creature angel flying. When this enters the battlefield, if you cast it, <laughs> return up to two target creature cards with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. This is still good. This is still very good. But with a safety valve. And yes. I, I think there's safety valves all over this set, and I'm yeah. so happy for them. It's gas. It, it, yes. reads, it reads so bad. A lot it, of the time, it does, like, it does, but it's so necessary at this point. Like it, you saw what happened when we took all the safety valves off. And I think a lot of that was in the name of cleanliness and uh, trying to get cards to be less wordy. But when you're just jamming words onto cards anyway, I would so much rather you put these safety valves on them. Yeah, like Nantuko Husk or whatever looks super clean. It's like, oh, yep. cool, right? And then it's like, oh, well, this is really busted with pattern of rebirth into symbiotic worm or whatever. You know, like people find a way. Yes. And... In, in the case of Revel Arc, you know, a lot of the time it was like, maybe you just cast it or you evoke it, but like there were decks that were like blinking it too. And at this point we have so many cards. It wouldn't surprise me if like, you know, they wanted to do something like this, but they don't want you to like charming prince it or whatever. Right. Right. So I, I get this, this makes sense. And you get paid up front. So this is not bad. You do. And I, I think the payoff is fine. I don't have a lot of decks that want to play this right now, and I'm not like really building around this card. I thought it was more interesting to talk about for what it can't do rather than what it can do. I think it's a, a good discussion point. But that being said, you can still find a home for this card. And even if it's just like, this is my sideboard plan in my white aggressive deck against decks that are trying to run me out of resources and I have to go long. Great. I, I am happy if a card like that can matter again. Yeah, same. Uh, Lear, Disciple of the Drowned, 3UU, 3-4, Legendary Creature, Human, Wizard. Spells can't be countered. Each instant and sorcery card Safety in your... Safety valve. <laughs> each instant and sorcery card in your flashback, in your graveyard has flashback. Flashback cost is equal to that card's mana cost. Uh, I was sort of low on this card until I started looking at it as just like Past in Flames. And then I think I realized it does have some potential in older formats and in deeper formats as uh, a new way to get access to that effect. It's probably worse in a lot of instances to put it onto a body, but still it's too powerful to ignore. I don't really see a future for this as a fair card, but I could be surprised by it. I mean, maybe there's just enough value that can be gained from completely unlocking your graveyard uh, where it can go off, but I am extremely thankful for that safety valve because if you were just churning counter spells out of your graveyard this card would not be very fun at all yeah yeah that's fair i didn't really think about it that way it was like i i kind of looked at it like oh you can't play counter spells with this and, and just sort of stop there but yeah it makes sense that you shouldn't be able to 
like draw new everything. Yep. Uh, I think this card stinks. And I think that like we talked about Enduring Angel last week and all the stuff that you said about that holds true to this. Yep. So um, any interest in it as like your, uh, you know, your past and flames analog where you just are able to go off from your graveyard. Why, what format are we doing that in where you can't just play Bass and Flames? Historic would be my answer. I, I mean, there, I don't but know. But there's no rituals. There's no rituals, right. But are there other spots where comboing like that is efficient from your graveyard? I would have to really think about that. I mean, obviously we have things like Mind's Desire, but we've done that mostly from the battlefield. So I don't right. think we want this. Um, but like I said, too powerful of an effect to ignore. And if you ever have even the slightest hint of ritualing, this will let you go off in Historic. So. Moonvale Regent, 3R44 Creature Dragon, flying. Whenever you cast a spell, you may discard your hand. If you do, draw a card for each of that spell's colors. When this dies, it deals X damage to any target where X is the number of colors among permanents you control. So here's the statement I want to make about this. And as I make it, I realize I don't know if I can actually do it. I'm going to do it anyway, though. This is my show. Do what I want. I think this card's way better than people think it is. Now, I hesitate because I am not actually sure what people think of this card. It just doesn't feel hype. Like, nobody's really talking about it. And the only real mention I've seen of it is in conjunction with things like the Omnath decks or the Niv decks. And I think that's mostly nonsense. I'm not super interested in that. Where I do think this card is appealing, it's just like the top end of my aggressive decks curve. And now I've got an experimental frenzy on a stick if my casting costs are low enough and I'm playing with an empty hand anyway, and I just want to burn through a bunch of one mana spells. uh, That sounds great to me. I I think there's a lot of scenarios where you're happily discarding your hand and picking up new spells and playing three or four spells in a turn. And again, like there's potentially some combo potential where you just sort of go off and that would require you to be able to, you know, probably flashback some spells, right. When you get stuck with your land in your hand, but Thankfully, this set has some flashbacks. So I think this card has a lot of potential to do busted things. And then it's just a really good 4-4 flyer for 4 mana that also doubles up as Experimental Frenzy in spots where your red deck really needs card advantage. This card is gas. I almost wrote about this. And I did mention it in the article that I wrote about because I think it is very good. And I don't know, we're talking about like Leer and Enduring Angel, these 5 mana things that like don't really impact the battlefield on the turn they ETB. This thing has a die streaker on top of right. it. Like if it was just like an engine, it's like, okay, yeah, this is this is worth considering, right? And it, you know, it's for toughness, so that gets it out of a decent amount of removal spells and stuff. But it's like, no, even if they kill it, hopefully you're taking something down with it, which is awesome. I agree with you. It, it and it really doesn't seem like much of a stretch to imagine you have like some multicolor cards in your deck and right. you're occasionally drawing two off this. And, you know, in older formats, maybe you can even go deeper and play some hybrid cards and very reliably go ahead and trigger Moonvale Regent for multiple cards. So I think there's just a world of potential here. And the thing that sells me on it, again, is just the downside guarantee. 4-4 four, four, flyer for four, acceptable. Experimental Frenzy Analog, completely okay with me. I, I just want to play copies of this card in most of my red decks, I think. Yeah, just have a low enough curve where you're going to be able to empty your hand and actually take advantage of this thing. If you have some gold cards to get, you know, like more looks, basically so you're not like, oh, play a red spell, draw a land, okay, now I'm, I'm stuck. Uh, you know, play play more gold cards if you can, or, you know, flashback things, stuff like that, to just make sure that this doesn't, end and you should be golden i think this card's awesome 
going to pull a lot of card advantage out of this card for sure. Uh, yeah, this 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 might be my favorite card so far, honestly. Good. I'm I'm glad. So, do you agree with my assessment that people don't seem appropriately hyped about this card? Yeah, I mean, occasionally, like you go through the previews and you like read a card and you read it again, you start thinking about it, and it's like, oh, this this might be kind of busted. And then uh, I I wrote my article last night, so I was like building a bunch of decks and like actually looking at things and. The more I thought about this and looked at like decks it could go in and stuff, it was like, yeah, this this does look really good. And I have not seen a single person talk about it. So it's kind of weird, but like that that happens during preview season. So it I does. Especially now. Like preview season is is different than it used to be. And uh it, it's harder to get a sense of like what the community as a whole is thinking. Uh I am telling you what I'm doing right now, though. I, I feel like you could guess what I'm doing right now. Going to look at the price of this card. Yeah, uh, I thought about it, but it was too lazy. Because because if you ask me what the best mythic if in it, the set it, that we've seen thus far like, is, if it's like six dollars, I would buy them. Twelve dollars. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's yeah, it's uh, less expensive than Arlen, uh, less expensive than Arlen's really good though. Arlen is also good, less expensive than Lear. So so there's a slam dunk. Uh, well, Lear Lear's a commander card. Okay. Yeah, this makes it hard to talk about uh, the value of cards now because that does change everything. Less expensive than Renin 7. I like Renin 7 too. Uh, okay, so I don't think that price is all that out of line. It kind of tracks with most of what else is going on here, but I, I do think this is the best Mythic we've seen thus far. Yeah, I think Renin 7 is really good. Um, it, this is not Goldspan Dragon level. Like You can just put it into basically any deck or whatever. You do kind of have to build around it, but I, I think that that's fine. and. You know, you I could easily see this being played in like Gruul or Jund or you know just like Jeskai, whatever. Like you can put this in a lot of different decks. So yeah. I think it will see a lot of play. Anyway, yep. Uh, the Meat Hook Massacre XBB Wild, wildest name ever for a Magic card, by the yes. way. Yes, XBB Legendary Enchantment. When the Meat Hook Massacre, normally I'll say this, but I just want to say the name again. When the Meat Hook Massacre enters the battlefield, each creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn. Whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life. Whenever a creature an opponent control dies, you gain one life. Uh, so like, bad sweeper, Black Sun Zenith type of thing, but for two mana, it is a Blood Artist. This wow. is this is it. This is the missing piece for Vesper Lark. I'm I'm quite sure of it, actually. It's legendary. Uh so if you're doing like fair things, you can't stack up on them. But nope. in nope. Vesper Lark, you just need one. Yep. I don't want to do fair things anymore. I mean, that's we talked a lot about the Vesper Lark combo in historic over the past few weeks and my efforts to get it to work. And at, at first, like I said, I was pretty cold on it. And I, I think, again, these statements are harder and harder to make with the way magic works now. I think it's mostly missing as it stands right now I, I don't think people are playing all that much vesper lark in historic uh and for the most part rightfully so i think there's just more powerful stuff going on and the problems with having to put blood artist in all your decks means you have to play like a blood artist deck you need to make that a good card if your vesper lark deck is going to be good and i thought i sort of solved that problem with scurry oak and i, I still do to some extent but this is just so much cleaner and now we can just go ahead and play Splinter Twin. We can play Control. We can just have the Meat Hook Massacre as the way we trigger our combo. And it's not dead. It's a not great, but reasonable sweeper in a lot of spots. You'll certainly get use out of it if you're trying to play a longer control game. And then anytime this sits on the battlefield, 
you're just representing winning the game for three mana. And your opponent has to respect it at all points, including on turn three. I mean, it's perfectly reasonable to go this into Evoke My Vesper Lark, go ahead and Davriel's Withering, and that's it. Game's over. So that sort of power being unlocked on a piece that you can't interact with is so important. And that's going to change how you're able to play later stages of the game because now you put Meat Hook Massacre into play, you play your Vesper Lark, and you sit there with your one open mana. What does your opponent do with their removal spell? It used to be like you could try and get the blood artist before that happened but right. you can't do that anymore uh so i think this is a big game changer for the vesper lark deck and now being able to play a control version of it i'm pretty excited to go back and explore it again soul guide lanterns busted it's a strong magic card uh there's a lot of incentive to go ahead and play it right now so i i won't deny that but even still you know you're you're taxing your opponent's mana for the rest of the game and you can have ways around that there's whatever pithy needles artifact removal whatever you have to do to go ahead and set the combo if your control deck is robust enough because you're not playing a bunch of stupid cards like blood artists then you'll be able to play around all these things yeah you can just play esper control now sure i think that's a fine approach tavalar's Huntmaster, 4gg human werewolves this is a dfc uh six six day bound when this enters the battlefield create two 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 green wolf tokens uh, backside is Nightbound. When this enters the battlefield or attacks, create two, two, two green wolf tokens, and you can pay two GG to have another target creature or werewolf you control fight target creature you don't control. I mean, like, I, I don't want to say Grave Titan with upside, but as I think about Grave Titan, kind of is. And what it does, like, how is this not just better? And at first, I would have sworn that you wouldn't get the the wolves if you did some kind of nonsense like reanimate it, but you do, and you still get the chance to go to Nightbound and get a seven seven. And if you have your green mana around, you can throw wolves at various creatures, pick off you know whatever delvers or whatever could give you fits in older formats or newer formats, as it turns out. Um, so, yep, this seems like a very real magic card, and I was surprised to see it at rare this this feels way more mythic than other stuff that sits at mythic right now yeah but it's, it's like kind of simple kind of straightforward kind of i mean how simple can a double face card be that has an activated ability on the back like yeah and, but and they puts have a like, ton of tokens onto the battlefield they have dfcs at common with like two abilities so yeah I, I guess i just don't really buy the complexity arguments anymore like i'm sure that is influencing things but i'm just not sure it's important given how complex things have gotten yeah uh, Strong card, though. Yeah, card card is good. Card is solid. I don't know. What else do you want to say? I don't know. Uh, I I mentioned, like, I hope there's a Jundish mid-range deck. Uh, this could very easily be the curve topper in that. Yeah, this is your Broodmate Dragon or whatever. Fine with me. Florian Voldaren Scion. 1BR33 Legendary Creature Vampire Noble First Strike. At the beginning of your post-combat main phase, look at the top X cards of your library where X is the amount of life your opponents lost this turn. Exile one of those cards, put the rest on the bottom of your library. You may play the exiled card this turn. So this card wants you to uh, attack them before you do anything and then have your mana open to potentially play a follow-up thing. See, that's, that's where I started with this card until I realized you can also play lands with it. And then I'm like, oh, this card is actually just very good yeah but you still you still want to be able to 
you know, like do something with the mana afterwards, right? Like even if you are looking for a land. Of course, of so, course. But but I guess what I'm trying to get at is that I don't think there's going to be many scenarios where you don't get to use this card effectively. Um, yeah. It, it just seems like it's going to unlock your your deck as an aggressive player. And that's so important to kind of keep the train going and keep those early beatdowns rolling for modern aggressive decks. And, you know, we already talked about how the dragon's going to do that. Uh, I, I think Florian's going to do it for sort of a lower to the ground type beatdown deck that just wants to go one drop vampire into two drop vampire and to play this and now have this never ending source of card advantage. Uh, I think it's going to be a really strong position. And 3-3 first strike is fine. I, I think it's a completely acceptable body. I think it's awkward that it just doesn't do anything on turn three. Yeah. Like, you uh, can play it, you can attack, but, like, you can't, you know, what are you going to do? You'll never get a pair. bobble. <laughs> Uh, theoretically, I, I don't think there'll be a lot of that going on in standard, but uh, yeah, that's a fair criticism of the card. I think it is strong enough to overcome that when you combine the selection uh, with, you know, and it could be deep selection in a lot of scenarios too. Oh, yeah. Like if you yeah. want to go ahead and fire burn spell at your opponent to look for another burn spell, I think that'll be a pretty common line to see and uh, probably lethal a very good percentage of the time, especially if there's any reasonable burn floating around out there. If you play this and connect with it on turn four or, you know, connect with your other things, whatever, on turn four, I like your spot. It's just awkward to try and get to that point. Okay. Yeah, I, I want to see more of the vampire support, uh, and I think that's coming next set. So I right. expect Florian will shine at that point. Although we already have uh, a couple decent other vampires accompanying Florian, so maybe we'll try and get to it early. We'll see. Yep. Catilda, Dawnheart, Headwitch, G-Dub. 1-1, one, one, legendary creature, human warlock, protection from werewolves, human creatures you control have tap, add one mana of any color, or wait, tap, add one mana of any of this creature's colors, and then 4G dub, tap, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Uh, I don't necessarily know of, you know, any sort of like humans looking deck that is trying to scale off a cryptolith right kind of thing, but this... This card just kind of like fuels itself. So maybe that's fine. Or like maybe you're playing the Revel Archangel or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like that sort of biggish top end. I don't know. Uh, this, this card does stuff. There's Intrepid Adversary out there as, as a way to sink a bunch of mana. That is a human. So True. it's checking all those boxes. I think this card's existence alone requires you to go ahead and do a search for all the humans that yep. are going to be playable. And, you know, th there's quite a few in this set. There's like Sun Gold, Sentinel, and all with very fine rates, you know, 3 2 for 2 in that case. And there's also our werewolves out there, which all start as humans. So maybe you need to go that way. Uh, there's, there's a lot to explore with this card. And I'm pretty excited about it because this is the kind of mana output where. We can start to say that B word. Things start to maybe get a little broken because you're able to just have these tremendous turns. There's Brutal Cathar out there as well, which is just like an awesome human. So I'm looking for excuses to play humans anyway, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Elite Spellbinder is also sure. still very yeah. solid. There's a lot of good white cards, of course. Uh, I mean, the, the one thing that I will notice is like, it, it's very unlikely that it's going to be broken, right? It's like unchecked. Yeah, you're doing a, a bunch of stuff, making mana, whatever. It depends on what you are doing with that mana 
and whether or not decks exist that can contain you, basically things with like a lot of spot removal and sweepers and stuff like that. And I think that those decks will exist. So I'm not saying the B word, you know? Was Cryptolith Rites a broken magic card? I mean, it's it's powerful because it breaks rules, but the decks that it's in are very easily exploitable. Okay. It's it, it's more exploitable than doing like graveyard stuff, right? Because yeah. graveyard stuff isn't usually free rolled on a normal card. Like sometimes you would see scavenging use or whatever. But Cryptolith right is like, well, people are always going to have interaction for creatures in mm-hmm. their deck. So I think it's a lot easier to keep pinned down. Okay. Uh, I I would say that as of now, sweepers in this format aren't my favorite. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of room for that to change, and this is just vulnerable to everything. So, uh, if your humans deck is a bunch of X ones, there are ways to punish that out there. Even if the hard sweepers aren't really my favorite, so that is a pretty big point of vulnerability. I think this card is very interesting, uh, but there's other stuff I want to do in these colors, which I expect to be more powerful than just like dumping a bunch of humans onto the battlefield. So, do you need to talk about Rite of Harmony in combination with this? We can. We can do that. Um, so this, I, I wrote my article on Rite of Harmony this week. This card did not exist. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read okay. Rite of Harmony before we do that? G-Dub instance, whenever a creature or enchantment enters the battlefield under your control this turn, draw a card, flashback to G-Dub. So, uh, Glimpse of Nature, sort of, more expensive, has flashback, also triggers off of enchantments, and also is an instant. All and, that stuff. And tokens. And tokens, right? All this stuff matters so, so much. And uh, I, I think it's worth building like a green-white humans deck around Rite of Harmony because I think this card is just powerful in and of itself. Um, but where I actually went with this card was building tokens decks, first of all. There's stuff like Battle for... I think it's Battle for Bredegard. And that's an, uh, a saga that puts two tokens into play over its first two turns and then creates copies of all the tokens you currently control on its final step. And right is an instant, so... And right is an instant. And I, I sort of think like that's the reason right is an instant because those cards play so, so well together. It seems like it's almost pointed towards it. But there's also stuff out there like Join the Dance uh, that puts two human creatures into play. That has flashback. So there's, there's all these really good token makers. Clarion Spirit comes to mind. Lots of ways to go ahead and produce a bunch of bodies onto the battlefield and sort of uh, get real big with Rite of Harmony that I was super into. And then there's actually like a really good KO condition in that too, where I was playing, uh, I always confuse Cleric class and Paladin class. I think I was playing Paladin class, which is the one that turns into an Anthem uh, after you invest three mana into it. And then it has this weird fireball ability where every creature you attack can give something plus one plus one and double strike and so i was using this in conjunction with the white creature land to just go ahead and fireball people and i got to the late game and 20 of them in one shot after i built up an effective enough battlefield and it's kind of gimmicky but also i think real and good when it's stapled onto a card advantage engine you can just create tokens forever so uh there's there's a lot to do in that vein with this card i explored some elves builds which i think looked completely fine and there are good mana sources out there from elves there's also tyvar kel which has seen almost no play but is an elf planeswalker which is powerful um acceptably powerful 
And then the thing I did, which was really kind of absurd, was uh, Goldspan Dragon Runeforge Champion Rite of Harmony deck, where you just get to draw your entire deck and okay. go off with Rite of Harmony. And I, I don't think it was all that hard. Uh, there's also a card whose name I'm forgetting right now, but it is a two colorless, one white creature where all of your enchantments cost one less. So it, it turns all of your runes into costing one mana and it still allows you to go off a Goldspan Dragon. But in those scenarios, Rite of Harmony is amazing because you have the first cast, you start your combo, and because you're generating mana with each time you target your Goldspan Dragon, eventually you just play the flashback on this as well. And now all of your runes are drawing three cards a pop and you're going to go through your deck like it, it's just an inevitability at that point and you're going to be able to do whatever your kill condition is from that point you, uh you must draw a card brian you you're, must draw a card you're just going to deck yourself man. you you have to be careful i'll give you that but you just put a bunch of goldspan dragons into play and attack for some yeah. hasty damage and i i think you'll find the kill most times before you deck yourself um and again if you need to put some kind of one card kill condition into there i'm sure it's pretty easy to do so but that just speaks to the potential that red of harmony has and anytime you can draw your deck you have my interest i'm paying attention during preview season so excited to see what this card can do in both fair and unfair contexts it being an instant with the saga is pretty nice i was burned by like beck and call beck. in the past i right? talked about that all over my article i yeah. built so many beck decks and um, I'm skeptical, but yeah, there's there's like some combo-y stuff. I don't know if having uh, like Katilda changes anything. It it with Goldsman Dragon is definitely good. It starts sounding like the the Lord Dracus deck, you know. Yep. In that sense. Yep. So I don't know. I could see it. One other thing I did with this, which I I just thought was interesting, and I I acknowledged the deck was pretty half baked. But if you play this in Dredge in Modern, it's actually really easy to flip your deck over on turn three, which is probably lethal because you have four Blood Gas and the four Creeping Chills. So you can usually win if you can just flip your deck over on turn three. And it's basically like discard anything in your first two turns, uh, Rite of Harmony and play a land and get one Blood Gas back. And if you dredge from there and hit a Narco Amoeba or hit a second Bloodgast with your next one, you are you are off to the races. It's it's pretty laughably easy to get through your deck at that point. Yeah, uh, Beck, Beck does the same stuff, though. It does. It does. Like this, it, Beck did the exact same trick. This has flashback and is an instance you could do, I don't know, like upkeep stuff with Narco Amoeba or whatever. But yep. That, that was my biggest draw is that you could also just like dredge and get to four mana and still go ahead. And it's probably more likely you have to have five mana, but you get to five mana and you can still do this. So kind of a slower game plan off the flashback plan. You don't actually have to draw it. And all that was appealing because you were still doing the setup. Uh, I had moved the mana base to be blue based. So Hedron Crab um, and the new looting, which we'll talk about in a little bit as opposed to the usual things you see like cathartic reunion and uh you know burning inquiry yeah so, see i was i was thinking naya because you keep those cards and you still have thrilling discovery but i could oh, I thrilling could discovery is good yeah that's a good point i will have to give that build a, a look as well well the other so maybe this is two separate experiments but the other thing i did in that spot was try to sideboard transition into the mill plan with just like okay. going going eight crabs Luris, and tasha's hideous laughter and archive trap um, I don't know how realistic that is, but I just thought it was interesting that if you go towards blue, you can start to look at those type of plants. I was playing Consider as well, which I thought was pretty interesting in that show. Yeah, of course, nice. All right. Uh, 
Slow Gurk the Overslime. 1GU, 3-3, Legendary Creature Ooze, Trample. Whenever a land card is put into your graveyard from anywhere, put a plus one, plus one counter on this. Remove three plus one, plus one counters from this. Return it to its owner's hand. When this leaves the battlefield, return up to three target land cards from your graveyard to your hand. I think this card is good. I did a, a quick scryfall search and mostly came up short as far as like ways to put lands into your graveyard. It's like we don't actually have that much self mill, which was like kind of frustrating when trying to build decks. Yeah, I just put this card on the list because I love it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. I think in terms of raw power, it seems like it's there. Like if you could find the appropriate payoffs, uh, you should be able to have a uh, weird card advantage big threat that can protect itself. And that's very much something I'm interested in. Uh, it's in older formats, this has some appeal, but then you're playing with much better cards and it's harder to play a three man or three, three. So some of the appeal slips in that scenario. Uh, but I just love this card, and I hope there's something we can do with it that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you, like, ran in seven, and then you, like, loot away the excess lands, and then you make this thing big. If they try and kill it, you get the lands back and, like, replay it, flashback the looting, make it big. I don't know. It seems like nonsense, right? Slow, dirtily nonsense, exactly my type of jam. That's what I'm here for. All right. Uh, dire Strain Rampage. One RG Sorcery. Destroy target artifact, enchantment, or land. If a land was destroyed this way, its controller may search their library for up to two basic land cards, put them onto the battlefield tap, then shuffle. Otherwise, its controller may search their library for a basic land card, put it on the battlefield tap, then shuffle. Flashback, 3RG. Uh, so, I don't know. This is like uh, Assassin's Trophy for artifacts or enchantments, or it's a Harrow for you. Yeah, and... You sound skeptical, but let me tell you why I, I think this is actually meaningful. The fact that it flashbacks means it's creating your ramp to like six or seven in and of itself with no other resource invested, just like I dire strain rampage my thing and then I do it again. And granted, you've done nothing across those two turns. You've invested a ton of mana. But in but scenarios... If you're, if you're go gold ahead. fishing, if you're gold fishing, it's fine, right? It, you know? If your only goal is to hit that mana threshold and play what ultimatum right something that is designed to win you the game on the spot this card does it at a very low resource cost while also giving you some emergency outs to things which could be problematic for you i, I think uh, in scenarios too where like you're forced into playing a three mana spell so any kind of like cascade deck this could have some appeal if you eventually maybe want to cast a big spell or you just want to make sure you destroy whatever your opponent has and you always need to have an answer. You need to do it twice. Uh, Dire Strain Rampage could be okay in that spot too uh, if you're forced to go into the three mana realm. Granted, there's competition for that slot. I don't know this will always be the best answer, but I do like how many things it covers. It's, it's not bad. It's just like a very archetype-specific card. I think so. That's a good way of putting and, it. And it's like a weird card, right? So it's like you have to... I don't know, get used to the idea that like this card exists because we've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, it being at sorcery speed will uh, do a lot to make it easier to live with in terms of like, oh, I got Dire Strain Rampage in a weird spot. I don't think that'll happen all that often. I don't even know that this will see that much play, but it's a unique card worth mentioning in my, in my eyes. Yes. Old Stick Fingers, XBG, Star Star, Legendary Creature Horror, when you cast the spell, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal X creature cards. 
put all creature cards revealed this way into your graveyard, then put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. This thing's power and toughness are each equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Uh, solid Mortivore type of thing, I think. But, you know what I want to do with this, though, right? Uh, like tutor for a specific creature? I don't yes. know. Yes, yeah. I, I want to just find one creature and get it into my graveyard as quickly as possible and be able to go off. Now, that means you, know, you can you only play that, one old stick fingers in yeah, that scenario. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I can, know. You can it, stick, it's weird. You can stick fingers into another stick fingers, but that doesn't really do a whole lot. It does not. It does yeah. not. But it's like a, a weird entomb in formats that won't give you access to entomb. And that feels like it might be exploitable in some spots. And at other spots, it's like you said, just a mortivore. And again, sticking with that theme of things that scale decently well. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think this blows anyone away, but I I, I do think you can find use for it if your deck is already graveyard based and you want something that scales into the late game. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Uh, assuming your deck can do this well enough, but as I mentioned, not a whole lot of self mill surprisingly. Right. Right. What about scenarios where like the creatures in your deck are only creatures that benefit from entering the graveyard? So you have things like your blood gas, grave crawler, vengevine type setups. What, what format are we talking? We're talking older formats and I'm not paying three mana for this thing in like my my Vengevine deck. And in modern no. no, you probably can't get away with that. Okay. Well, old stick fingers looks like he's destined to the burn pile and uh so be it. Nah, I I think that if more self-mill stuff gets printed, this thing is completely reasonable. But whatever. Okay. Can't stay away. Dub B sorcery return target creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains if this creature would die, exile instead. Flashback three dub B. I just want to bring back three mana creatures. I don't think there's really much to say about can't stay away. I, I think uh, I have built some decks which are reliant upon my three mana creatures. I mentioned like my Runeforge champion deck. Uh, can't stay away, can do things there. I played it in my Elves deck. The biggest spot is alongside Luris, I think. A lot of decks yep. want a way to rebuy Luris. Uh, if you're doing that reliably, then you're able to play these really long games. And uh, yeah, I, I see this being a small addition to several decks, just like one or two copies and mostly Luris decks that are looking to get an extra go around with Luris. That's more so like historic, probably, right? Yep. Uh, at this point, it has to be historic, right? Because we are well, we're done I, with yes. Luris and Standard. I, I was speaking to like historic versus modern or whatever. Right, yeah, like modern, modern has better ways to do modern this. Modern has Unearth and stuff like that, but... Yep. As, as a value card, like if you have... Uh, Butcher Cathar, Elite Spellbinder, you're playing like some, you know, Orzov Disruption aggro deck. It's like, this this thing's not that bad. Yeah. I don't know that you get to play with four copies again unless you have some self-mill stuff, but whatever. Maybe they're going to be real judicious with that self-mill stuff because we, we have said that a few times now, how good many of these cards get if you have it. Well, I think that's the point, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like if you just did a bunch of stitcher supplier type of things then all these cards would be kind of busted yep ghoul callers harvest bg sorcery create x22 black zombie creature tokens with decade where x is half the number of creature cards in your graveyard rounded up flashback 3 bg 
Where's your self mill at now? No kidding, right? This could, I mean, this could go off hard in a lot of scenarios. This is also one that could reach back, in my opinion. I, th- I think the payoff is there in your Stitcher supplier deck in Historic uh, if you put enough bodies onto the battlefield. What are you getting up to with this card right now? This is what I wrote about this week. I think oh, this so card. You're into this. Yeah, I think this card is awesome. Uh, basically, I don't think it's that difficult for this to make two tokens in the early game. And going long, it just scales so well. Obviously, it would scale a lot better if we could mill ourselves, but we can't. Uh, but still, if you're doing like village right stuff, plumb the forbidden stuff. Oh, speaking my language now. Yeah, I, I see scenarios where you fire off a plum, fill your graveyard. Maybe you keep around a prosperous innkeeper or whatever, you know, but you can just sack everything, draw like four cards, and then you just like harvest, plumb away those, and you just kind of go off from there, man. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay. And this, this is sort of the thing that we were missing when we were building those decks because you would plumb, draw a bunch of cards, but you wouldn't have a battlefield presence. And this is just like, boom, battlefield presence, right? And... I started with just like normal green black stuff and those decks look good. I also think that like, so like as far as self mill stuff, random seven is like the card cause it, you know, casts multi bunch. Yeah. So you can build a, a bigger version of that deck with like a Seekers chariot and Renin seven, which is obviously like a pretty nice combo. And you have a bunch of tokens to copy with the Seekers chariot anyway. And a bunch of like decayed zombies accrue and stuff too, whatever. Yep. Um, but if you want to, uh, set up combo kills. I don't think it's that hard to like, you know, plum, do this and then plum, and then like do this, uh, wither bloom apprentice and plum, or you just have like 10 power and you just wait until next turn and attack them. And then I started looking at options for global haste. And there's first day of class, which if you're like strictly combo, it's not not that bad, you know, it's yeah. basically Shatterstorm, right? And the other one is Zavriel, which is like the the D&D Planeswalker. It's just like four mana, zero to make a devil, plus one to give all your stuff, plus one, plus seven haste. Yeah. So I was like, just playing that is kind of like a value card. Like you're doing village right stuff anyway, and making a bunch of devils isn't that bad. Okay. You you have sold me. I am I am interested in this idea. Uh, what what kind of global graveyard hate is out there now? It it has me interested into oh, ways I, to check this. I don't know. I didn't I didn't get that far. I didn't think about it too much. There's a, a memories journey in green that's pretty solid. Yeah, I think that that is on this list somewhere. I'm pretty sure. Turn the um, earth. Yep. But I, I mean, like, where are we at? Soul Guide Lantern is rotating, correct? Yep. Uh, that was kind of the best thing we had in the present format there's no ko's like leyline of the void or rest in peace out there so maybe the graveyard's primed and ready to go and the other thing when i was building like the jun version of this deck with the hay stuff was like i could probably just play moonvale region instead of the hay stuff and just have like a good deck and as far as like things that can fill your graveyard that thing does a hell of a good job yes it does great point yeah you keep your cmc's very low besides that and uh, again it seems like you could just go off so maybe you're making like a token or two tokens, but, you know, kind of later on, you're making like four or five tokens. And then you just have like these massive lava axes that are just kind of on layaway for a turn. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that that's very good. You know, it's just not a bad thing to have. I'm into it. 
Uh, next card on the list is the Celestis, which we talked about. Yep. I thought I didn't have that on the list. Okay, yeah. we don't need to go back into that. I, I think it's pretty medium, but uh, it's what we have for a mana rock right now. And then we have Hostile Hostel. This is a land that taps for colorless, and you can pay one tap, sack a creature, and put a soul counter on this. Then if there are three or more soul counters on it, remove those counters, transform it, and untap it, activate only as a sorcery. Backside is creeping in. It's a 3-7. It's an artifact, I guess. Artifact creature horror construct. <laughs> Whenever this attacks, you may exile a creature card from your graveyard. If you do, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life, where X is the number of creature cards exiled with creeping in, and you can pay for to phase this thing out. I think people might be high on the memory of Westvale Abbey right and now. Westvale Abbey wasn't even that good. Uh, I I would say Westvale Abbey is ten times better than this card. Yes, I would say that too. <laughs> so like, uh, this is it, so slow, and then the the payoff is just not that big. If you're sacrificing creatures for value, or if you have like Jadar that's just making a token every turn, and you have excess mana, and having colorless land doesn't like mess up your mana base, then like okay, this is a thing that you can be doing. But like, I don't know, just trying to you know pigeonhole this into your deck and sacrifice reasonable creatures to it to transform it. And, oh yeah, I just noticed that. That's that's heinous. Okay. Uh it's it's such a slow clock. It is it's big. Like seven toughness is a lot and you can protect it against sweepers or whatever. But yeah, the the sorcery speed is definitely not good. It's not like oh you know you kill my thing, I sack a response. Hmm. whatever uh so i don't know man i think this card stinks i i put this in my google callers harvest decks but i also wrote like i think this thing kind of sucks but i think that people would expect it to be here because it's like a sacrifice <laughs> so it's just there so you don't get yelled at basically yes just covering uh, my ass man yeah i i think i am going to call this card bad I'm, i feel comfortable doing that it's a mythic I, rare I know. And that, that's what I think that's what's giving people hope. And it is what's giving me pause too when I say it's bad because somewhere the experience must have been, oh, this card is extremely strong. It's got to be a mythic rare. Or maybe they just thought the pun was that worthy of mythicness. Like the hostile, hostile uh, has to be a mythic. But uh, I don't know. This is this card's not doing it for me. I don't like it. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to own common land now. Really? That's it for our rares. Okay. I think so. We'll see. Sacred Fire. Uh, R-Dub, instant. This deals two damage to any target, and you gain two life. Flashback for R-Dub. Feels like a very Jerry card. You were, you were in love with Smiting Helix. This is sort was, of reverse Smiting Helix. I was in love with Smiting Helix because you could loot it away. And th yeah, this is, this is the reverse. This is like you have to cast it, and then maybe 13, turn down, 13 turns <laughs> down the line, you flash it back, you know? I wanted to to loot and get a free lightning helix. That was all. Yeah, this is this is not doing that. But like, I don't know. What do you think of smaller lightning helix in the standard context? Is that still a good card? Is that still a playable card? If you are playing against creature decks that have ways to kind of like burn you out, either, you know, like they have haste things or blood artist things or just burn spells, whatever. Yep. Having this sort of effect is always good. 
And then obviously, like, you're going to get to situations where, like, you get to flash this back and you feel like the game is over because you're kind of out of range. So mm-hmm. that's that's nice, but the two damage has to matter, and those matchups have to matter. Maybe sideboard play for this card, possibly. Uh, but there's also like a two mana timely reinforcements, which is just busted. So. Oh, we'll get to that. Don't worry. I knew you'd want to talk about that one. So, uh, Rucoil Creeper, G U two two creature plant horror tap. Add one mana of any color. Tap. Add two mana of any one color. Spend this mana to only cast spells from your graveyard. UG tap exile this return target card with flashback you own from exile to your hand. All right. See, this is why I hesitated when you said we were through the rares because I knew there was a rare I wanted to talk about, and this card has brought it back to me. This was for my Teferi deck. I got excited when I saw this card because, like I said, I want to plus Teferi and get a bunch of mana from creatures, artifacts, and lands. Uh, I also happen to have a card I want to play from my graveyard in my Teferi deck, which we. Very erroneously skipped, Gerald. I'm going to bring us back around to it. Did we? Did I blow Memory it? deluge. Memory deluge. And I, I, I think I blew it. I think I left it off my list. And I... No, I have it. It's further oh, down. Oh, yeah. It's, it's under. You said this was sorted by rarity. So... Uh, I tried. Once, once we got to the uncommons, I was like, all right, we're just done. No, no. I, I just messed up Sacred Fire. There's more rares coming. <laughs> so we would have gotten to this eventually. I'm skipping forward now, though, because I've already brought it up. Memory deluge. Two colorless. UU. Instant. Look at the top X cards of your library, where X is the amount of mana spent to cast the spell. Put two of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order so basically we're starting off with a four mana look at the top four put two in your hand i think that's good enough but this also has flashback five colorless uu and now we're looking at the top seven and putting two into our hand all of this at instant speed i think this card is over the moon good for constructed decks i'm actively excited to play this card play it in my uh control decks and do old dig through time ish feeling stuff. I've hated so many of the four mana draw twos that we've been forced to play over the years, but I really think this one is good. And now I can bring that around uh, to our friend that we started the conversation with our uh, root coil creeper, because I would like to tap this twice with my Teferi and go ahead and fire this out of my graveyard. Yeah, this card is nice. I mean, this is just way better than like a scry two draw two, right? Oh yeah, definitely. So and just like has flashback, which is super generous. This card's nice. I, I think it's great. I think it's a huge tool for control decks. And, you know, the Teferi deck is, I would say it's a meme at this point. It's an idea I want to explore. That's not really what I'm here for. But I do think Rucoil Creeper as a two mana mana dork that also brings a 2 2 body with it and really sort of goes off into uh, more powerful spells and has the potential to buy it back. Like you get to buy back. Uh, your memory deluge with root coil creeper, you're so far ahead in that game. It, you're just getting value for days. I think once you cast it and flash it back, you should be good. Sh- should be good, but I, I mean, who knows what the context of standard is? So certainly, it's possible for decks to come back over the top of the haymakers, and I don't know that we have like the one hit KOs that have defined standard for a long period of time. So I could see some longer games potentially happening. Uh, in those scenarios, I think root coil creeper's ability could absolutely matter, but we're mostly here for the mana. I think. Yeah, mostly. And we also don't have a lot of options for a two mana mana creature. Right. And right. this this having like multiple different upsides, obviously it's like kind of hard to cast and it's it's enemy colored too. So we don't have the actual dual land. You'd True. have to like play snarls or whatever. I'm not trying to do that. Uh, so it, it's a little bit tough, but I, I think like you just do what you got to do, you know? 
Yeah, I think it's going to be worth the effort in a lot of spots. Okay, so here here's another rare. I guess yeah, you just dipped into the uncommons for a couple. I was, of I guess, I was really excited to talk about Sacred Fire. I don't know what's going on there. And it's just, I mean, do you like the card? Do you think it's nope, good? Not really. What the hell? Okay, why? What are we doing here? I don't know. You put down faithful mending. Do you mean faithful absence? Is faithful mending even a card? Faithful mending's a card. Wait, what's faithful absence? Oh wait, faithful mending or fateful absence? Okay. Fateful absence is not on your list, I think. No, Which it card? is. It is. It's just below. I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna move this up. And we're just gonna talk about it now because we already mentioned it. Okay, okay. Really, really well-defined list this week. Uh fateful absence, one dub instant destroy target creature planeswalker, its controller investigates. Ah, uh, this is the new card that just got spoiled right before we yeah. started recording, right? That's why that's in a weird place. I'm going to make an excuse so I don't get yelled at. Uh, just good, clean removal, uh, instant speed, which I think plays very well with some of the other instants floating around. The cost is real, but it's diverse enough that I think I'm willing to pay it. It sort of depends how good Planeswalkers are. I, uh, I think Red and Seven's excellent. Beyond that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I mentioned that like the Elf Planeswalker has some appeal. It's possible Teferi is decent. So maybe Planeswalkers are better than we think right now. We haven't really been dealing with many Planeswalkers, but if they do become a problem, uh, you'll happily trade an, a clue token for the presence of any Planeswalkers. So Renin 7 is good. Yeah. So I, no I think this will be an important removal spell. How, how much worse is this than Declaration in Stone? I don't even think it is. I think it's better. Instant speed is a big deal. Uh, it is. Very so, big deal for these type of decks. So Deck and Stone had like the exile clause and it hit multiple things. Sometimes that mattered. Sometimes it didn't uh, for, for both of them, right? And yeah. if you're just going to say like, well, that's corner case stuff, uh, it's, it's kind of a blowout when it does happen for like tempo reasons. But this being an instant and also hitting Planeswalkers, it just seems much better to me. Obviously like, Context of the formats are different and everything. I think that this is probably higher powered than uh, those formats were, you know, but I don't know. Probably. Card, yeah. card, card seems quite good. I'm with you. I'm, I'm happy this exists. Okay. So back into gold uncommons, I guess. Uh, faithful, cool. faithful mending. I, I remembered what this card was. Uh, you dub instant. You gain two life, draw two cards, then discard two cards. Flashback, one you dub. So this kind of sort of uh, is self-mill by a very loose definition. It of... is, man. And I, I stretched. I tried to stretch. I don't I don't think it's that hard to play like four colors if you wanted to. You know, you have all the, the pathways and dual lands and stuff. But well, that's good news. Uh, it's it, it can't it can't be awkward to try and play this and like ghoul colors harvest probably. And once you're playing a bunch of like spells then you have fewer creatures to put in your graveyard right anyway. so of course of course but still like as a card in just a vacuum this is a powerful effect uh it is as close as we're going to get to pure faithless looting in a lot of spots i think which is why i was interested in exploring it uh in a dredge style deck and why i thought it might be worth redefining your mana base to see what faithful mending could provide you uh very consistent uh draw to discard two on multiple turns, which I'm happy to see. If you find a way to fill your one mana spot, which I was doing with, like I said, Ruin Crabs Consider, I, it, it could be a new foundation for a dredge deck. I'm not saying it has to be like the uh, 
you know, glimpse of nature style dredge deck. It could just be traditional dredge deck that wants to move towards blue and then get some other sideboard options. That seems fine too. This card is quite good. It's weird because faithless looting always had things that were kind of like in color where it was like, oh yeah, obviously I want to play this with like these other red cards. Mm -hmm. And faithful mending is more about like, okay, what blue and white things do we want to be doing alongside this? Yeah. And traditionally the answer is like, not much from the graveyard. That's not really blue and white's jam. So this this card feels strange, somewhat like I wouldn't say it feels out of place. I think it's doing things that like these colors traditionally do. Uh, it's just these roles have been filled by other colors and constructed for so long now. Right. So I don't know what we do with this. I think this card is good. Obviously, I mean, instant speed is fine. The extra life is fine. It's it's not one mana, so it's not as efficient as the other thing, right? Which it is not just means that this is maybe going to be like a fixed version of that, which is something you should be excited about. We just have to figure out what to do with it. There's also a lot of room for Faithless Looting to be fixed and still be very good. So, Yeah, I mean, Faithless Salvaging is completely fine. Yep. Uh, So I'm bouncing all over the place now. Now I'm trying to find Kessig Naturalist. This is another gold uncommon right after Faithful Mending. Oh my God. It sounded like a, like a, just a mono green card to me, but okay. I I, I wrote about this card. Uh, RG22, Creature Human Werewolf. Whenever this thing attacks, add R or G until end of turn. You don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. It has Daybound. It also has a backside that is a 3-3. Other wolves and werewolves you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever this attacks, add R or G until end of turn. You don't lose mana. Lose this mana as steps and phases end and Daybound. So it's it's a fine two-mana werewolf, you know? It's... yep. Kind of a mana creature. It's a lord on the backside. And fills your deck. It's good. I, I think it's interesting as a redundant uh, form of two mana creature that can attack and also create some mana. And we have that already with uh, what's the stupid thing that ta- Magda? Ma- Maga? No. No, that's not, not it. Not Maga, Brian. No. No, is Mag- Magda Brazen Outlaw. That's the one I was thinking of. And like, doesn't Magda exist. is, of course, traitor to mortals. I should have known that. Yes, clearly. Uh, Magda really doesn't do a whole lot of attacking, honestly. Right? It's Usually like, in conjunction with Jespera Sentinel, but I, I think and, in like Gruul's most... Ex- and the Chariot, but in Gruul's most explosive draws, it usually gets him for two in that spot, so... Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, if, if this thing does get to attack, cool. Mostly it's just like 2-2 body is, is not that impressive. Uh, you re- okay. you're really gonna want to be able to transform your stuff consistently to get this to do anything. Yeah, another payoff for your wolf tribal. Uh, sneak into festival. Green rare. All right, we're back to rares now. This, maybe this is, maybe staying in rares for a while. I do. I don't know. You tell me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know at this point. This this card is dope though. Three G G G sorcery. Look at the top five cards of your library. Put up to two permanent cards with mana value five or less. From among them onto the battlefield, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Flashback 7, GGG. So you don't like Collected Company. Uh, this is one fewer card, but like the amount of hits that you have. You know, it, like how are Almost you ever going to miss? How are you going to miss on this? I'm, I'm going to find a way. I promise you that. But uh, this is very cool. I, again, it feels like a fixed version of a powerful card, but this seems to snowball in the right ways. And um, I don't know exactly what I'm doing with this yet, but I, for whatever reason, I just went to the idea of like, if this existed alongside 
Cavalier of Thorns and I started no. thinking about like that snowball setup. Brian, Ranin Seven is better. Okay, it's fine. better than Cavalier of Thorns. That that's that's a fine approach as well. We can go Ren, ahead and Ren, Ren actually Ren actually gets you to ten mana to flash this thing back, and you can hit like Ren and Chariot and like. Make the token, that's, copy the token. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a big game right there. Right? You, you might have just put me over the top with that one combination. Okay, um, so other card I want to talk about, because I was actually building decks like this, where it was like mono green kind of value, and then it was like, oh, maybe I'll look for a second color to splash if I need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Augur of Autumn. Yeah. One, one GG, two, three, creature, human, druid. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may, pay, you may play lands from the top of your library. Coven. As long as you control three or more creatures with different powers, you may cast creature spells from the top of your library. So if you have Coven active with this, you get to play creatures and lands from the top of your library. There's things like Druid class that let you hit extra land drops. And now we're talking about like this six mana collected company, Ren and the Chariot, which are things you can't play with this. But like, regardless, you're going to be able to like, you know, get card advantage off the top of your deck that leads you to having enough resources to get to like the chariot and Ren seven. Mm-hmm. And then sneak into festival is like, Oh, this is like the perfect top end for a deck like this. Sounds really cool. I, I think there has to be some more interaction. I'm not, I'm not sure you're going to be able to just like snowball enough, just churning these out, even with like the huge man explosion from Ren and seven. I, it just feels like something's missing to me right now. Just decisive, wrong. decisive denial. What else do you need? Uh, it fixes, okay. fixes all your problems you have you have like a werewolf pack leader as a brick wall and a thing for coven and potentially a source of card advantage like you believe you basically just play like the good green stuff uh as you know threats but card advantage yeah it, it sounds promising uh certainly one of the first things i will be exploring come red and six craft or excuse me red and seven crafting time the, the mono green approach seems like it has some legs. Find a splash for sure. But, yep. but all of this seems to really be coming together where you just have like this awesome pile of green value stuff, you know? Oh, too I much, guess too much green value stuff. Uh, maybe they're doing different things, you know? Yeah. So it's like, maybe you have a green value deck that goes bigger with like random stuff. Maybe you play auger of autumn in, kind of like mono green aggro or whatever without a huge top end. Maybe these are like multicolored cards, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's cool that it's not all just like, well, grow spiral leads into Nissa and that leads into crisis. And like, this is what all the decks are doing, right? Like, I think you are still going to see variety. Cool. Uh, but yeah, this, this stuff is all pretty exciting to me. I like it. Uh, Willow Geist. What the hell is that? I don't, I don't even remember at this point. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta find that one. Damn it. Still, Willow Geist. What still, does it sound like? It sounds like a spirit. It, it is a spirit. It's it's uh it's it's gonna be white or blue. I guess Willow is more white than blue. I don't think it's a real card. This I feel is like why I just we still read up. off like what the cards do because because we don't know. We don't know if this is a gold uncommon. I'm gonna lose my. It, shit. it doesn't appear to be, but I also can't find it. It may not be real. You just making up cards, man. It's it's in my range. I, like willow is black but like geist is not really a black thing. the best part is that all of our listeners definitely know this card and they're just screaming idiots absolute idiots how do you not yeah, know best what this card is? in the set all right well we're gonna go to the google and see is if it, that will... it's gonna be one of the foreign cards right because we're on mythic spoiler oh i love this card how did i not know what this was it's it's a green card by the way 
What? Willow yeah. as in tree, not like dead thing? A willow as in tree. This is a 1G creature, tree folk spirit, trample. Whenever one or more cards leave your oh, graveyard, yeah. Yeah. put a plus one, plus one counter on Willow Geist. When Willow Geist dies, you gain life equal to its power. I, I mean, I think this card is like modern playable power levels. This seems absolutely pushed to me and just going to get huge for a one mana creature in a lot of scenarios. The most obvious one alongside Delve, but there, there's a lot of ways to do this trick and just make this stupid big for a one mana card. Eh, like delve is tough right because this is one or more you get a counter so like you'd have to you have to do it multiple times uh, so, okay well let me tell you i misread this card okay. so i've, I've already it's, changed it's, my opinion yeah it's not murktide regent it's more okay. like it's more like wild in the coddle okay I, I still think it's good i have come down a little bit from my initial assessment uh and so this and like scavenging ooze would be a good combo. Yes, right? that is that is nice. If you're working over your own graveyard, that would be fine. Anything flashing back, this gets bigger. Yep. Uh, so any kind of cheap flashback activity, any kind of uh, creature graveyard shenanigans like blood geisty type stuff, that's pretty appealing. So uh, certainly enough ways to go ahead and trigger this one without the huge burst of counters that I was envisioning with Delve. Um, and there was another green card that I thought would be quite good in conjunction with this that we may as well talk about now while we're here. This isn't uncommon, so I'm going to move us down the list a little bit. <laughs> like we're really holding on to that list much at this point anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm just is, confused as to like how you actually made this list. Uh, don't try and understand how my mind works. It, it's just complete nonsense and anything could happen. Also, I think this card was in the wrong spot on the preview sheet. It is. This is Death Bonnet Sprout, uh, which I would like to talk about now. This is another 1G creature, Fungus, at the beginning of your upkeep, mill a card. Then if there are three or more creature cards in your graveyard, transform Death Bonnet Sprout. And on the backside, we're looking at Death Bonnet Hulk. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may exile a card from any graveyard. If a creature card was exiled this way, put a plus one, plus one counter on Death Bonnet Hulk. So again, it's a three one mana green creature it is a three three one mana green creature that has potential to just be tremendous and these two cards working in conjunction with each other they, they sort of do their thing i mean i think you need some kind of other enabler going on here but there's a lot of potential between these two cards so this was uh previewed after i submitted my article so this is technically a self-mill card at the beginning of your yeah, kind mill of a card and i was already looking at like egon god of death where it's like oh maybe Maybe I just play this thing. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this this card is is definitely not bad either. If you're playing more of like a mono green aggro deck, I think that this and and Willow Geist could fit pretty well together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting little package of one mana creatures that you know you expect to be small for some period of time, but when they get big, they get really big. All right, what about Suspicious Stowaway? That is a blue card. I know that, and I believe it's a rare. So we're somehow back to the rares. All right, all right. One U, one one, creature, human, rogue, werewolf. This can't be blocked. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card, then discard a card. And it also has daybound and a backside. The backside is green. It's a two one werewolf. It can't be blocked. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, draw a card and has nightbound. So you have like this crappy looter ill core that yep. eventually transforms into an unblockable Ophidian. That doing anything for you? 
No, not in this little one one into a two one. No. Size doesn't always matter, Gerald. And there are scenarios where it's, if you're playing that's the at, opposite, opposite of what I've been told my entire life. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. Uh, <laughs> but in scenarios where you just want to have a steady source of card advantage on the battlefield. I I've played some stupid card from uh the Dungeons and Dragons set that was like doing the same type of stuff, but instead it was just murking around dungeon a little bit. And this seems like a far better version of that same effect where you're able to just consistently get your loots and then turn into a draw on the flip side while you just play at instant speed because you want to go ahead and trigger to nightbound anyway and get some card advantage going. But I don't hate this card. I don't really have an immediate home for it, but I could see potential. The thing that I will say about this card is that it is a blue werewolf that works with the other werewolves. And there are things like Brutal Cathar and like Dawnbreak, Gaviny, something or other. The, uh, it's like a militia bugler type of thing. Whatever. I, it doesn't matter. Uh, I like the idea that werewolves might not just be an archetype that is gruel. Or it might be like a three-color archetype or something. Like, Suspicious Stowaway as a werewolf sort of enabler with things like Decisive Denial just being like a Simic deck, I think that is cool. So I don't want to play this card necessarily just like based on rate or whatever, but maybe there are enough like werewolf synergy type of things where, yeah, maybe you want to be Simic werewolves. I don't know. Okay. As long as you're not discounting it, I can, I can live with your assessment. I, I would put it on like, so like, did you ever have conversations with like Wizards people about like full card, half card, quarter card type yep, of stuff? I, I am familiar. This is like a quarter card to me. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that quarter card. So full, full card is you would be surprised if it doesn't see play. Half card is you would not be surprised if it sees play. And then quarter card is like half of that. Right. So yep. it's like, I, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if this showed up, but like, I'm, I'm not banking on it. It's just like kind of an, a, a card with some appealing text and like maybe it shows up. Probably needs a good scenario to, to find a home. Yeah. So like any of the like five mana things that we talked about, it's kind of like on par with those, you know, it's like if the situation, uh, if the conditions are correct, then yeah, maybe whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, same, same with this card, I guess. Slaughter Specialist, 1B, 3-3, Creature Vampire Warrior. When this enters the battlefield, each opponent creates a 1-1 white human creature token. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on this. I guess this is better than, than I think it is. I don't know. I could see this getting out of hand in some scenarios. Uh, certainly, like, any deck which relies on damage to answer it is going to have a pretty small window to go ahead and get out in front of it. I don't know, like... Three three for two with downside. Uh, does that really track? If there's a lot of like two damage removal, certainly it pushes a little bit further in this favor. Of course, vampire tribal as well. So if that's a real deck and wants to do things sort of on the more aggressive side of the spectrum, and isn't just playing a bunch of X ones, which the next card we're going to talk about kind of points to, maybe it does want to play X ones. Uh, then you can think about it. But y your deck needs to build around this. If it does. Power level might be there. Yeah, you definitely don't want to play like 
usher of the fallen or whatever into this thing, right? Like that would that would be bad. As long as the best thing that their thing does is like chump block and then grow your creature, then you're good. But it's also weirder when you're playing against another creature deck, which is where you want this card, and then their one one allows them to like double up with their their two power thing to kill this or whatever. So yeah. Yeah, there, there are like weird scenarios, but like as far as downsides are concerned, giving your opponent a 1-1, which can also turn into a benefit because it dies and grows your thing, is is not the worst. So maybe I'm a little hasty about this. This card is maybe like a half card, I guess. Okay. Uh, so I think you were going to go to like Falconrath Pit Fighter. May as well talk about it, yeah, since that is the vampire card I would be concerned about playing alongside Slaughter Specialists. R two one creature vampire warrior one R discard a card sacrifice a vampire draw two cards activate only if an opponent lost life this turn. This is like vampires are getting weird. That is weird, but I think it's good. I think it's quite strong again for a red aggressive deck that's trying to stay low to the ground. It doesn't even have to be vampires. It could be something that's you know trying to get to Moonvale region or something like that. Um, and you still can always sack itself to this ability. So if the body gets invalidated, you get a little deeper into your deck. I think that's acceptable. Uh, only if an opponent lost life. Uh, that's a little iffy because if you get to those end states where you're like really in desperate need of getting deeper into your deck, it's harder, because, harder to actually yeah. deal them damage. Yeah. So, but but your baseline is like, I got a 2-1 for one mana. In a lot of spots, that's going to be a-okay, especially if there's something to do with Vampire Tribal. So I, I do think this card has potential. Like a sack of Vampire to draw to like even if you're discarding a card it's probably like you know stupid land you don't need a land or whatever right yeah so that's, that's the assumption yeah i'm not i'm not looking at the discarded card as too much of a downside but like draw two cards is a lot especially like you could just have a turn where you're you're turning through your deck looking for whatever it is you need yeah and maybe for a burn spell yeah maybe maybe this set doesn't have sacrificial fodder but i'm thinking of like dusk legion zealot and like going back to historic maybe mm-hmm. or uh legions landing type of stuff right yeah yeah i could see that being like pretty reasonable so i don't know maybe and then maybe you have other ways to just uh drain them right that that don't involve combat in case the ground gets locked up and then you have this thing Mm, so like what vicious conquistador type effects or something like that where you're just pinging them no matter what yeah or meat hook massacre i guess although that's not sure i don't think that's really a vampire card okay yeah, either way, we have a jackal pup. It does some stuff. It's cool. Good enough. Uh, Reckless Stormseeker, 2R, 2-3, human werewolf. At the beginning of combat on your turn, target creature you control gets plus one plus zero oh, and gains haste until end of turn. Also has daybound. And a backside that's a 3-4. At the beginning of combat on your turn, target creature you control gets plus two plus zero oh, and, and trample and haste until end of turn as nightbound. So this is like your fires of Yavimaya kind of thing your werewolf deck yeah I, I think like the baseline of this just being a three three haste for three mana is again entirely acceptable if you get to just go ahead and deploy it into nightbound and drop a five four trample haste on turn three then you're way ahead of the game and this will obviously be super punishing to any starts your opponent has um where they are unable to cast the spell and you've already made it daybound through an earlier werewolf. So I, I think this is probably a big part of the werewolf deck, if I had to guess. Yeah, when I was building decks, uh, you had Tovalar as a three drop and then not a whole lot else that mm-hmm. I really wanted. And this this fills the deck pretty nicely. 
I think so. And it also just like gives you more haste stuff alongside uh, the, the Nightbound side of Arlen. So that's pretty cool too. Yeah. Briar Bridge Tracker, 2G, 2-3, Creature Human Scout, Vigilance. When this enters the battlefield, investigate. As long as you control a token, this gets plus two, plus zero. So, you know, three mana, four, three, a clue that just hangs around for however long you want it, has Vigilance. This is okay. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely not Tireless Tracker, right? Times have gotten tough for Tireless yeah, Tracker. Uh, but as a card in like mono green aggro type of stuff like maybe you're not trying to do auger of autumn like go super long Mm -hmm. but you want a little beater that gives you a little bit of card advantage i think this is solid i'm with you solid card don't think you need to go out of your way to build around it but we'll find homes curse of silence dub enchantment or a curse enchant player as this enters the battlefield choose a card name Spells with the chosen card name Enchanted Player cast cost two more to cast. Whenever Enchanted Player casts a spell with the chosen name, you may sacrifice this if you do draw a card. So uh, obviously not legal anymore, but uh, you name whatever ultimatum, right? They have to pay nine for it, and then you can just cycle this way. You're probably still losing the ultimatum in that case, but... Yes. Yeah, I looked at this as very much a way to buy time against rats and a way to do so at a very mana efficient point. Uh, Maybe it was just because I was building a bunch of Rite of Harmony decks, but this made its way into way more of my deck list than I would have expected upon reading the text. Um, I guess it's an enchantment for your Rite of Harmony, but I still don't like it. It it, Like the thing with the ultimatums and the thing with the sweepers is that like they cast it, okay. This this slowed them down. You get to cycle this, but like the wrath is still probably beating you, which is which is what I don't like. It depends. I, I I think like the fact that this is so mana efficient means you can still advance your battlefield to the point where you're pressuring them enough. And then I think getting the card advantage return on this means it didn't cost you a card, so you're able to rebuild more effectively. I, I will tell you, I would have been lower on this card had we not just come off the standard we came from and like Elite Spellbinder being so important and just any kind of uh, cost increasing effect really being the only way for aggressive decks to keep up with the one card KOs that were so prevalent. Now, I would expect there'll be less of those in this new format. I, I am hoping there are far less of those in this format. So. Curse of Silence's role should be far more niche, but I, I think this is an interesting card. And again, if you go back maybe a year ago and this card gets previewed, I probably don't give it a second look because it's the type of card that I think we expect to be bad. Um, but I think this might surprise us and see just a little bit of play. It's not terrible. The, the things that I worry about are that, like, you name their Wrath or whatever, and then they just beat you with their other stuff and you're down a card, or it's like, okay, this slowed them down, they cast the Wrath, and you still lose because they cast the Wrath. You know, it doesn't, like, stop it entirely, and in the meantime, it's just doing nothing. So it's going to be really difficult to evaluate the effect that it has on the game, especially especially when, if you're playing on ladder, for example, right? Like, you're never going to know if they had the thing or not. Yep. No, that's very true. Definitely a problem with evaluating cards like this um yeah, maybe it's just like a niche player where just the fact that i was building these right of harmony decks pointed it in my direction so many times uh but i would be remiss not to mention it given how many decks i put it in because i would have expected it to be zero and uh it came up way more than i thought word uh fading hope 
You instant return target creature to its owner's hand. If its mana value is three or less, scry one. Wow. Dope. RIP Unsummon. I have spent a lot of time with Unsummon. We enjoyed all of our time together. I will miss it. I probably played it in a bunch of decks where I shouldn't have. I just loved it so much. Um, but now we have Strictly Better, Fading Hope, and this card is great. I, it's going to see play. It's going to be awesome. I love it. I'm happy I get this. It's not Strictly Better, Brian. What if they have a card that says whenever a player scries, they take a damage? Oh, God. I, I, can't, I can't have this conversation. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> do, do words mean things or don't they? When that card exists, we can go back and revisit Fading Hope being strictly better. I don't know. There might be a card like that already. I have no idea. I don't, some I, commander set. Uh, it's yeah, possible. I don't, I don't know every single card that exists. Do you think you did at one point? Because I feel like I did at one point. I definitely had blind spots for like really, really bad cards. Okay. There was like the Sorrow's Path type of stuff that I knew because... They were like memes, right? Like people did talk right. about them, but there's like the mi- middle of the road, like, oh, this is a bad, six mana 2-2. Two, two. commons, yeah. Yeah, six mana 2-2 two, two with downside. And you're like, oh, okay, why would anyone ever talk about this, right? It's just a thing that exists. But I think it was like 80 or 90%, and now I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah, that's probably more realistic. I, I think there was a point where I was probably like high 90%, and now it's it's got to be way lower than that. There's just too many. Yes, there are. Cathartic Pyre, 1R, instant, choose one. This deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker, or discard up to two cards, then draw that many cards. Why? Meh. Why not? Why? You'll find a home for this. I, I mean, I no, don't no, think it's I'm great saying, or why, anything. Why, why does it have the second part? When has a card like this ever had a second part? Oh, well, it, I mean, it does now. It's, and, it's uh, dope. Uh, I mean, do you want to go as far as, are you interested in this in Phoenix? Do you want to go back to historic or you just think this is a good option to have for standard? Uh, I don't know. I mean, for, for standard, it depends on if you have any way to utilize this, the second part of it, or it's mill. This, this is the new mill. I, I get it. I get it. But like, there, there's also things like dragon's fire where, you know, like does three damage matter? Does like four damage matter? Pairing it with a mm-hmm. dragon. Yep. Are there going to be matchups that don't have any creatures or planeswalkers? So you want a thing that cycles, even if it's really, really bad. You know, I, it, this, this this card seems very, very strong, right? Because it's, it's just never dead and you can just get up to no good with it. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of like shocked that it's so generous. That's all. You know, I love modality. I'm, I'm happy for more modality in sets. Uh, I don't have an immediate home in standard and I don't think it goes back to historic Phoenix because you're so pushed to play one mana cards and you're going to get more one mana cards with this set, uh, but still happy it exists. Yeah. Uh, Ambitious farmhand. What the hell is this? This is a white uncommon and I I feel like this is right up your alley. It's not good, but it, it is right up your alley. Is is that what you think of me, Brian? You're just like, oh, this <laughs> oh, is a okay. terrible card. Jerry will love let, this. Let me read the card no, to you. I got and it. You I got it. Tell me if I'm wrong. I got it. Okay, go ahead. One dub. So two mana total. One one creature, human, peasant. When this enters the battlefield, you may search your library for your basic planes card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Coven. One dub dub. Transform this. Activate only if you control three or more creatures with different powers. Backside is a three three with lifelink. Uh. In like a mid-rangey white deck, sure. 
replaces itself, maybe gets to be an effective body as the game goes on. Usually these are just throwaway spots where we go ahead and play our, you know, civic wayfinder. This is, this is such a boomer card because all of us old ones, we, we love the civic wayfinders. We always want to be able to play them. And ambitious farmhand is like a pretty good version of a civic wayfinder. Granted it's only in white. Um, but if there is a mid range white deck that always wants to hit its land drops and scales to something different in the late game. I mean, we're talking about 26 lands white beatdown decks or whatever right like this right. this kind of fits yeah i think so i mean i'm not over the moon about it but i could see a potential home for it and it's the type of card i do really like playing it's also sacrifice fodder if you care about that true true at card neutral uh sunset revelry what is that oh white card found it oh this is this is your card it. this is your invitational card uh one dub sorcery if an opponent has more life than you you gain four life if an opponent controls more creatures than you create two one one white human creature tokens. If an opponent has more cards in hand than you, draw a card. Busted. Go off, and this is your moment. Uh, I don't know. Timely reinforcements was was just like comically busted, right? Because they're like goblin guide attack you to like sixteen, and then you're like timely reinforcements go above twenty. Also have a bunch of things to block your two two. And you can triple block, so even if they try and, like, you know, searing blaze you to, like, blow you out in your double block, it, it was just so absurd. It gave you so much. And this is a two-mana version, which is cool. Uh, I'm not sure how often you'll get to actually draw a card with this, but it's nice to have. I think that if both were legal, I would play timely over this, depending on, like, mana curve considerations. but. I don't know. This this card is still very very good. I just I also don't think that th their decks are like Goblin Guide, Stagger Shock, Lightning Bolt type of stuff anymore. So, you know, if if your opponent is playing a bunch of two ones and is trying to burn you out, trying to nickel and dime you, then this card is excellent. But unfortunately, I'm not sure how much play this will see. That's where I'm at as well. I think the one ones need to matter for this card to be good, and I, I think it's very easy to get sort of over the moon because this is timely reinforcements but you get to draw a card i don't think you're gonna draw a lot of cards with this it's just it's just not gonna happen all that often um and if if you are drawing a card with this things have gone wrong probably and it's gonna be really hard for you to claw out of that position i mean it's it's nice though i guess if you're in that situation right where you're like getting kind of beaten down yeah it gets cycle a little bit maybe you know draw some cards that's that's fine it's it's a good way to get you back into it or at least it's a start rather than right. just losing but. right it's a it's a catch-up mechanic I, I do think this card is very powerful uh i think timely reinforcements is mostly a, a far better card and i wouldn't get too caught up in the draw card or the cost reduction because with a card like this it's all about the swing you create this is going to create a smaller swing but still an important swing and do a great job if there is a super aggressive deck uh this should throw a wrench into their plans pretty effectively i like that it exists i will agreed. say that agreed uh turn the earth is a g instant Choose up to three target cards in graveyards. The owners of those cards shuffle them into their libraries. You gain two life. Flashback one G. Uh, again, pretty damn generous. You know what I want to do with this, right? Uh, no clipping mode. 
I uh, don't know what that means, but I want to target my my own stuff repeatedly and yeah. So just pass turn the earth through my deck and make the uh, the most efficient version of my deck possible. So you remember the time spiral block teachings deck that had Gaia's blessing? Yeah. So uh, I think it was Dan Skinner that relayed that term to me, where. You know, basically, like, you drew a bunch of cards, you careful consideration, and, like, teachings for careful consideration, you gaze blessing to shuffle back in your, like, tendrils of corruption, mm-hmm. with teachings for that, gain a bunch of life, and you didn't want to play, like, win conditions, because they're clunky against beatdown, and were just, like, very easily answered by, like, temporal isolation, right? Right. Hate win conditions. Yeah, so win conditions just stuck. So, instead, we would just try and draw cards, kill things, gain life, and then gaze blessing to bore them to death. And... He he called it like when you're in that mode of just like, oh, gay is blessing my stuff back in and like flashback teachings like you're in no clipping mode because that was the mode in Doom that allowed you to walk through walls. You just like yep. became invincible. I love it. Yeah, I, I'm de- I'm definitely using that now. Yes. No clipping mode is what I'm here for with Turn the Earth. Yeah. I think it's like a, a good graveyard hate spell as well. But uh, if I get to do no clipping mode stuff, I will be very it's, excited. It's Nexus of Fate, right? Yep. yep. Exactly. Nexus just made it too easy. That, that was all those decks did was just like, oh, I'll survive and then like mill my deck and just take all the turns, kill you incidentally, right? And yeah, this this sets it up. I mean, you can either uh, do it kind of like the fair way where it's it's limited, like you just have one copy of this or you can have two copies of this and just like target each other. So yeah. it's worse than Gaze Blessing because Gaze Blessing cycled, so it wasn't like super dead early. But like the the second... I get, or I guess like third iteration of Oath of Druids decks, once Gaius Blessing rotated, played like a memory's journey to go with their Cognivores so they could like oath away their graveyard, make Cognivore big, and then still not die and like hopefully kill mm-hmm. their opponent over two turns, right? So you could have a setup like that. Love it. That's, that's definitely what I'm here for. Uh, I hope it's not viable because everyone will hate me and I'll ruin the ladder. And that's not what I want to do. I want everyone to enjoy this beautiful new set. And uh, But I'm going to spend a lot of time on this for sure. Uh, Delver of Secrets, not going to read it. I think it's bad. I think the... I think history has shown it to be bad in a lot of scenarios. I sort of think the setup is here for this card this time. I looked. I couldn't I couldn't find any... Like, the blue cards are unbelievably bad. There's Ascendant Spirit and nothing. What about the Izzet cards? Uh... I, I will admit that I did not look at the is it cards, but that's also because I couldn't think of anything really off the top of my head I wanted to play except for like iteration. Yes, expressive iteration. Here, here's how I envision this deck. Basically, two Delver, or excuse me, four Delver, four Thermo Alchemist, which we'll just, that's that's coming. That's, that's on our list. That's the next card, also a reprint. I will probably read that because a lot of people are probably like, what the hell is that? I'll do it now for you. One colorless, one red, Defender, O3, Thermo Alchemist, Thermo Alchemist deals one tap. Thermo Alchemist deals one damage to each opponent. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, untap Thermo Alchemist. So I would like to do Delver of Secrets, Thermo Alchemist, four ofs. Hate it. Like two two of pure, or not purifying, the other actual good dragon. Uh, two of Moonvale Regent at the top end. We'll do unsummons. We'll do shocks. We'll do expressive iterations. Probably do some counter magic and we're off to the races and nobody's ever going to beat us and life is good you're definitely not off to the races although off to the races one one thing i will say is that like if you really don't care about 
you know, your mana entering tapped or taking a bunch of damage. You can play as many like DFCs to transform this thing as you want to. And True. that was one of the issues in modern when people would try and build Delver decks was that like the cantrips weren't good enough so that you could play 18 lands. So you had to play like 20 and then like you have to play, I don't know, 12 to 18 threats somewhere in there. And then you just have no cards to transform this thing. So it just sat around as a one one too much of the time. Well, we have consider we have expressive iteration. Uh, we have Juari Disruption, which is like a card we probably want to play anyway, which also is going to be part of our mana base. I hate that card too, but yeah. Uh, so I, I am into this idea. I am going to work on Delver decks. I get why you're skeptical because Delver has underperformed in every format except Legacy and its initial iteration in Standard, where again, it had tremendous support. Dude, it had, a lot it of had that, everything in that standard. It had Gitaxian Probe, it had Snap, Mana Leak, Snapcaster, Geist. Snapcaster Mage, Vapor Snag. I mean, it, it was just absolutely loaded in terms of support. And that's not the scenario we have now, but I do think the cards are very good around it. I think there is a good unsummon to play alongside with it which is important uh a slightly better shock i don't know how much that's going to matter but a lot of scrying going on in these scenarios which these decks always do appreciate and i also think that top end uh being able to go to moonvale region that seems really strong to me in the scenario where we're playing all these cheap spells and can just kind of pop off so obviously that doesn't play particularly well with counter magic but the only counter magic i'm really interested in is like jawari disruption i want to shorten these games not play them forever and I think there is some potential. Yeah, the counter spells are super narrow. You have yep. like, you know, negate and disdainful stroke and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that's that's not what I'm trying to do, at least in game one. In games, game two, we can look more at that kind of option. Yeah, but. for sure. But if you're just like, oh, well, I have this one mana, three power flyer and like a four mana, four power flyer and expressive iteration and some spot removal spells like that, that could potentially work. I could I could potentially buy that uh, thermo alchemist I think just stinks, so I would I would want a different two and three mana threat probably. Well, I, I will say there are other uh, two and three mana threats that could potentially scale. There's like the bloodthirsty adversary which plays well with all the spells we're playing in our deck. Maybe the haste matters a lot. There's spectral adversary which instant speed is good, but what is, I'm less sold on that matter. Oh, this is the, the two drop vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These okay. are the, the mythic cycles. Okay. So I, I think that's not bad. Um, it's not bad. It's not good either. Mostly agree with that. Uh, so if you think back to early versions of Delver of Secrets decks, they were often based around like curiosity effects. There's Suspicious Stowaway, which you have already decided you hate. So probably not going to push you on that one. But if you just need to keep putting cards in your hand. Maybe that's the way you need to do it with this Delver of Secret decks. I, I think there's options out there and I'm going to explore them. I've been disappointed by Delver in the past, but this this all looks a little bit better for Delver than a lot of the uh, other times it's floated around the consciousness. And I'm also excited to see what it can do in Historic, although we have better Delver of Secrets there now in the form of Dragon's Rage Channeler, so. Yeah, and even in Legacy, DRC has it's, almost it's better. almost entirely supplanted Delver. And Delver's yep. a blue card too, right? And you have yep. Brainstorm. It's just like, yeah, DRC's way better. There are, there are some decks that still play like two Delvers or whatever, just have more one drops, but uh Yep. If we had if we had access to DRC and standard, I would not be making uh, such a hard case for Delver, but it is it is the best version of this we have access to in a lower power environment. And I think it might just work this time. 
Finally, we have Eaten Alive, B, Sorcery, as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature, or pay 3, B, Exile, target creature, or Planeswalker. Village Rites, Eaten Alive, works so well with Jadar. Yes, it does. It just like makes the decayed zombie every turn. And yep. I think that these decks are going to be really good. I think so, too. And I think this was an important part of the puzzle. I love that it's exile removal uh, in a format that does seem to use the graveyard quite a bit. And these effects, I, I'm always appreciative when they're around. I've played more bone splinters than most, I think. Uh, and I am glad Eaten Alive is an option for this format. Yeah, card card is very nice. Uh, again, I wrote about Gukolar's Harvest, and this showed up in a few of my deck lists, and I, th- I think it's just pretty solid, pretty good. So uh, we got in a little bit under forty two hours, which is which is good. That's what I was originally estimating this would take. Uh, how do you how do you feel this now wrapped recorded? Are you as stoked for this set as I am? Yeah, I was already having a pretty good time building decks and. It's nice to talk to someone else who's kind of working on opposite stuff as you, because like now I have a bunch of other ideas for decks that I want to build. I feel the same way. I want to go through and monkey with your ideas a little bit, do some more stuff uh, in the same veins I've been talking about. And it just feels like I have a deck building explosion welling up inside of me that like I just haven't been able to let out because I knew it wouldn't matter, quite frankly, over the last, you know, five sets since the release of throne of eldraine it's just like i i could work on this but it's not going to make a difference and we're ultimately going to end up back in the same place so why bother and it's so nice not to feel that way uh and maybe even like want to play a standard tournament i if it happened right now i would sign up which i have not felt that way in a very long time nice that's good i i don't know if i'm i don't know trying to play any tournaments or whatever we'll see Okay. It's just like the the conditions of it, you know. It's just like soulless. To no, I I understand all that. For for me, it would be about testing the viability of an idea that I was really in love with, and just putting it up against what other people are trying to do. And that one week before the metagame really solidifies is it's always the most exciting time. And it didn't exist when Eldraine was present because the metagame was still there. Like nothing was ever going to supplant that stuff. You could monkey around with it. You could find decks that maybe would be on the same level, but those decks were always going to be there. And like what's left over now to me, the the best thing that remains is the Asika's chariot, Jespera Sentinel Magna Goldspan dragon package. Like that is the PowerPoint that's left. And that's like, good i think you and i were one of the first ones to get hyped about that whole package um but it doesn't feel oppressive in any way and totally manageable yeah there are other things that you might want to be doing now instead of like oh i guess i just have to do this because it's the best thing so there's a lot of room for exploration there's a lot of cool cards a lot of sideways stuff and there are also packages of things that are as good as the best thing Right. Yes. So yes. synergies that can compete with that. Yeah, this this is just ideal. Right. And the man is OK. Like we, we need an, another set of enemy duels, I think. But I mean, even without that, I think it's still completely fine because mm-hmm. at least for the green decks. Right. If you're playing like Golgari or Simic, you have different sorts of mana fixing. Right. And Jesper Sentinel is a large part of that. But yes, but it has not felt bad building decks so far. I agree with you. Looking forward to doing it some more. Looking forward to coming back next week with our top X list. Top 13, baby. 
top 13 for Innistrad. We're, we're Vorthoses now, in case you all haven't figured that out. I mean, we, we, we can uh, always figure out three honorable mentions, you know? We almost always do 13 anyway, whether we call it a top 13 or True. not. So I, I, now we're going to have honorable mentions on our 13, I bet. That's what's going to happen uh, We can't do that. We can only talk about 13 magic cards. Okay. Join us next week. 13 magic cards. Game! Good luck.